0: Baseball family, welcome to this wonderful interview that we are about to have with David Essel, sports psychologist, coach, and author. And uh, we're excited to have you. How are you, David?
1: A break. I'm doing great, Brad. Great to be with both you guys. And just a little bit of banter before the show started. We're going to have fun today. I can tell you that.
0: <laughs> that's the idea. That's exactly the idea. What's that, Brad?
2: Oh, I just said that's what we shoot for around here. That's I'm right. Trying to have fun. That's
0: right let's get into what we get all of our guests into first it's that's uh we get called we call it a rundown you're about
1: to get caught in a rundown <laughs> okay is it first and second or second and third i just want to know like what's third
2: is we're gonna start oh i always shoot off. for second and third is what i'm shooting for here <laughs> higher stakes
0: yeah, yes high yes stakes. all right first question for you what is your quest
1: Wow. My quest is to lift this world to the highest level of joy, happiness, peace, and success possible. And that's in the world of athletics and outside of that world of athletics. Wow. Thank you for that. Yes. That's a
2: great mm-hmm. quest. Uh, next question. What is your favorite color?
1: Purple. Oh, my gosh. And runner-up is black. <laughs> wow.
2: <laughs> I can support that. That's He's the second person, Brig, that we've ever had say purple. It's
1: true. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, only the yeah.
0: second. Yeah, yeah,
1: good. I'm glad I'm in, I'm in an elite category with you guys that already. Is this is great. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> that is elite.
0: If your favorite baseball team were a beverage, what would they be?
1: <laughs> Never in a million words, Brig. What I would have thought of that question. <laughs> oh my gosh, my favorite baseball team. If they would be a beverage, they would be. Um, well, it's got to be something really high energy. Uh, it's got to be something with a lot of pa- uh, passion fruit, passion fruit drink. That okay. would be it. Yeah. And who is, is your favorite it. baseball team? You, you know, I have to, I was waiting for you guys to ask this question. In uh, when I was 10 years old, my uncle took me. I, we grew up in uh, Syracuse and New, Utica, New York, which is um, upstate or um, um, central New York. And my uncle at 10 took me on a bus ride with all of his buddies from work. And they jammed the bus with people to Yankee Stadium. And we were all big Yankee fans, you know, coming from the New York area. And on the mound was a rookie. And I fell head over heels for this rookie. And him and his team are still my favorite baseball team today. Jim Palmer. And the Baltimore Orioles. Wow. Nice. <laughs> I got a chance to see Jim Palmer pitch his first major league game against the New York Yankees. And I got to tell you guys, I'm getting chills right now. I'm so glad you asked that question, uh, Brig. You know, and the other thing is, is, you know, I I went to the World Series when they were up against Pittsburgh Pirates, if you guys remember that. Uh, I was in the World Series. It was cold as Hallows, nasty weather. Oh, my God. You know, and, uh, and then we went through droughts, right? And then this yeah. year, I mean, the Orioles just went, out of control for they the did. first time in many years. And so I was very proud of them. Extremely proud.
2: We should. were too. Yeah. We were following the Orioles really closely this year. And we were, I was disappointed with the way they kind of fizzled out there at the end, but I thought it was a great season. And I'm, I was really happy with what the Orioles did. I'm a Mariners fan. Obviously you can see here. Yeah. So I kind of relate with the success or lack thereof. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, yeah. But no, I you love have Rodriguez. Yes.
1: Oh yes. my Lord. You Ooh, got yeah. the king.
2: Yeah. Oh, well, Brig, you Brig <laughs> said it wrong. It's Julio. Yeah. <laughs> we say it that that's, way every time. <laughs> that's how we say it around here. <laughs> I love okay, it. Okay. Last question for you, David. If baseball was an ice cream flavor, what would it be?
1: Let me think of something here. Um, orange sherbet. It has that tang. It has that excitement. You know, I'm I'm all about excitement and passion, right? It's like yeah. I'm looking for yeah. something like what would light up my mouth. Orange sherbet would. So that would be it. I love it. That's well, and so that good. doubles
0: for your Orioles as well. That's the right. orange, and you can't be Thank
1: you, Brig. I appreciate that connection. That's fantastic.
0: <laughs> okay, so I've got your I've got your book here. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's called Mental Mastery and Maximum Performance for Professional Athletes. Take Your Career and Your Life to the Next Level by David Essel. Do you
1: want to explain some of these uh, acronyms at the at the back of your name for us? <laughs> I've got so many, right? So um, <laughs> master's degree in sport, uh, master's degree in science is what the MS stands for. You know, so my master's degree was in sports psychology, exercise physiology and marketing. Uh, and then I'm an ordained minister. The OM is ordained minister. Uh, I was a pastor for a number of years at an all faith church. Um, And so, you know, when when you asked me earlier, what was my, you know, purpose in life and why am I here? I mean, you know, it's really to spread the love and to spread the hope and and the joy and all that. Um, I don't get hung up in any kind of one religion is the way, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm more of a guy that says, hey, whatever path works for you. Great. Let me help you go deeper. You know, that's kind of the approach that I have.
0: And is that the same approach you take to coaching athletes in your sports psychology?
1: Yeah, identical. It's the same. You know, I I am a huge fan of one-on-one work in the world of sports psychology, much more so than group work. You know, when, when you're working with high caliber athletes, they really, first of all, they demand the attention, right? I mean, and they should get the attention. And number two, just like everyone else, there's no two pitchers in the major league that are the same in any way whatsoever the way they react to crowd reactions, the way they react to their own uh, frustration, right? So in sports psychology, what we do is like, I'll give you an example. I'm working with a major league pitcher right now. Um, during the pandemic, he lost his fire, completely lost it because he yeah. was used to the opposing fans booing him, which he, mm-hmm. and he's a reliever. So he would get fired up running out of the bullpen, right? And everyone's booing him and he is more excited than ever. In that one year, he lost it all. Hmm. And he's not the only one that did. Right. But he, Hmm. you know, his agent contacted me and said, hey, I don't know what to do with this kid. You've got to do some work. You know, he's interested. He'll do whatever you tell him. And we have him back up at a level that is incredible. Um, awesome. Now when we look at these things, these these, a, these incredibly elite athletes, they expect really good service. they expect one-on-one attention. Um, they deserve it. But here's the other thing that we'll, that when people read the book they're going to find whether you're an athlete or not, you're going to love the stories. We tell so many stories of these athletes I've worked with that have overcome massive challenges. athletes I've interviewed that have overcome massive challenges. And so as a reader, You know, not only might you read about your favorite tennis star, Novak Djokovic, and what makes him so unique, but you might also read about someone like NFL linebacker Keith Mitchell. And if you know Keith Mitchell at all, uh, you know, and if you don't, that's fine. He's NFL All-Pro, so you can Google him. Uh, He was paralyzed on the field, Mm -hmm. and he was told he would never walk again. Yeah. And Keith Mitchell refused to believe that he actually told the physician to walk out of the room when the physician came in and said, you know, I just want to tell you the reality. You will not be out of bed walking. And Keith Mitchell said, you may leave this room. Keith Mitchell today, if you Google him, he has the body of a freaking bodybuilder. He is slender and ripped. He is one of the top health and yoga teachers in the world. I call him a guru, guys. He is a guru. He yeah. travels the world teaching principles of peace. He is an activist for peace. He is an activist for uh, the, the anti-division in our country racially. He will speak up, but he is a quiet, quiet man. You know what? I've interviewed him so many times. We've become friends. And uh, I said to him, I go, Keith, I go, give me an exciting story of the NFL. You know, this is after we went through all the tragedy he went through. Right. Mm-hmm, he said, yeah. "You and I, I." well, let me re- 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 go back for a second. I said to him. When you got hit on the field, he was on special teams when he got hit. It was a kickoff. He loved special teams. You know, those linebackers, they'll do freaking anything. They're just insane. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and here's this all-pro freaking linebacker going, I want to be on special teams. You know, I want to be on the kickoff. <laughs> and he got he got blindsided. Um, and that's what created the paralyzation. But he said, I, I said, what was it like when you came to? He said, David, he said, you'll never understand the feeling of 80,000 stands and not one sound. Wow. Yeah. He said, I opened my eyes and realized I was in deep trouble. But, you know, then the story goes on to become one of the most incredible comebacks of all time. But here's something I think you guys will will, will like. I said to Michael, how'd you get fired up for the games? Like, tell me something powerful, exciting. He said, oh, my gosh. He said, David, I have that song, Phil Collins, Into the Night. He said, if you, he said, if you know that song and you know that drum roll, yeah, you got it, guys? Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And he goes, sure. he said, I'm, I'm in the locker room. I'm waiting. The minute that drum roll hits, I'm out through that chute. I'm onto the field and I'm looking for someone's head. I'm looking for a head already.
2: (laughs) I'm sure he is. And especially after we've all seen like anybody who's seen the hangover, you definitely want to punch somebody after that. So I think it works. It adds an extra element to it. Yeah. I think that's a great one. That's fantastic.
1: You know, and you know, what's so cool. I mean, you know, being involved with athletes for 43 years now, I mean, I can't believe it's been that long, but there are people too, you know, they're fun I mean, they're hilarious. They're, of course, extremely driven, you know, which I love because I'm really driven. So I only want to work with people who have that desire to go higher. Right. But but then, you know, we talk about in the book, too, that a lot of fans forget about the pressure to be a professional athlete. Knowing that your career could be six weeks or sixteen years, you never know with injuries, trades. uh, Maybe you're not going to be good enough after four years to compete with the upcoming guys. You know, I played basketball at at Syracuse University, Um, and there came a point where uh, Roy Danforth was a coach. Jim Beheim, who all you guys know very well, I'm sure the name. You know, retired a year ago. Um, but, you know, Roy Danforth called me into the office and, you know, he sat me down. He said, Essel, he goes, I've got a seat for you. I was a walk on. He said, I've got a scholarship, your final two years. He said, how, how are you ready? I go, oh my God. I go, coach Danforth, I, I, I'll do whatever. He said, you'll do whatever it takes. Won't you? Essel? I Like, oh my God. Yes, coach. You know, like he said, listen, you've been an anchor. You've been so strong for those two years. He said, but now I need you in a different role. I said, a different role. Okay, now you got my attention. What does this mean? <laughs> yeah. And then he just laid it out. He goes, Essily goes, I want you to take that defensive intensity. You'll get to do your jump shots in practice. Red flag, red flag, red flag. But I want you to take that defensive intensity, and we've got a group coming in that are going to blow your mind, and I want you to put more pressure on them in practice every game before the game so that when they get into the game, it's easy. Yeah. Are you with me, Essel? Are you with me? Will you join us for the next two years? Now, I will tell you this before you give me your answer. You probably will never get off the bench. Are you ready? Do you want to still be an Orangeman? Oh, he was good. That's but good. It, you know, it was really good. Right. But but, you know, athletes come to that point, And I had to come to a point realizing that my talent was not good enough to take me past where I was. You know that's just the fact, and so then we have to make a decision and how many athletes stay way too long, how many athletes stay past their prime? So I had to make it was a tough decision. I was up till 5 a.m. with my roommate Jake the Snake Jacoby. Love Jake the Snake, <laughs> and uh we talked until 5 a.m. and I finally came to the conclusion, you know, that um work the school work was always hard for me. I had to work really hard in school. And, you know, when you're at Division One level, you don't have time for anything. I mean, practices are forever long. And if you're not practicing, you're training. And if you're not training, you're going through something else, right? And I just had to make a tough decision, you know, one that I still question a little bit today, guys, even though it's been 40 plus, 45 years later. Um, and that is, I said, you know what, coach, I'll come in the next day. And I went in at 2.30 and I said, coach, I love you. I love Syracuse University more than anything in my life. I have slept with a basketball since I was six. I write about this in the book. And um, but I said, I'm going to have to decline your incredible offer. I said, I have to commit to school or I'm not going to graduate. And it breaks my heart to not be a part of the team. And he said, you know, I think you're making a mistake, but I respect your decision. You may leave. And that was the last time I saw Roy Danforth. Now, that may sound sad, but it led me into this. Yeah. It led me into right. this career that is so freaking passion filled, guys. I mean, I get to do something and work with people and interview these athletes and coaches and everything that very few people honestly get to do. So I feel really fortunate, you know, and I don't know what would have happened. I mean, I, I never would have made the NBA, um, but I don't know what what, what might, might have happened afterwards. Could I have gone to Greece and played or could I, you know, who knows what I could have done, right? But For sure. Uh, but, yeah. you know, but I, I I talk in the book about athletes so that fans remember these things, you know, like we have these expectations. We'll 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 love them when they're all the way up. And then when they're coming down, we'll start to boo our own players like yeah. you know we have to realize that mm-hmm. these are human beings they're away from their family 60% of the freaking year they're away from their children 60 to 70% of the year you know yeah. they have all kinds of challenges that you and I have jr smith if you guys know <clears throat> remember jr from basketball yeah he just came out with a quote not too long ago um stating that you know he made major errors in his financial uh decision making in his career and he's mm-hmm. suffering now you know, so we work with athletes from that perspective, you know. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the first time that I was with Ernest, I, I asked him, I said, hey, what, what decisions did you make coming out of college to go into the pros that might be different than other athletes? And he said, well, he said, I took my signing bonus and I deposited it immediately and invested it. Hmm. Now, hmm. I put that story in the book for the younger athletes, pros coming into play. You know, so they can see an example of someone that, you know, was really intelligent, way ahead of his game. There's many athletes that struggle financially because their career is cut short or they didn't have any kind of financial planning. Right. So so the book is 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 incredibly broad. And then if you're an athlete, even an amateur athlete, we take you through tips on how to be mentally stronger, physically stronger. Um, You know, and we say in the book, and this is true of everyone, you know, a professional athlete's challenge is not their strength. A professional athlete's challenge is their weakness. And if you have somebody that gets into your head, you have an opposing team player that gets into your head, that's your weakness. And you better find a way to clean that up because your strengths are not your problem. Your weaknesses are, you know. Uh, Duncan Robinson from the Miami Heat is a great example of someone who late last year acknowledged his weaknesses. And I don't know if it was the coaches that did this or if he came upon it himself. But at the end of the Boston Celtics series, Duncan Robinson, who is the number one three-point shooter ever for the Miami Heat. And he's only been there four freaking years, for God's sake. Right. And he's he's their number (laughs) one three-point shooter of all times. He's a a killer stand up three-point shooter. I mean, Mm -hmm. he's phenomenal. Right but he never moved without the ball. So at the end of the season, the coach Eric Spolster didn't play him in the playoffs. We, we went through all of these different teams until we got to Boston, the last team before we were going to go on to Denver. And all of a sudden, Duncan Robinson comes off the bench and he's doing backdoor cuts for layoffs. He's getting rebounds. He's doing it. And, and, and I was saying to my partner, I go, Duncan, again, a backdoor cut. Duncan, again. You know, it was, Now now that was his major weakness and that's why mm-hmm. he didn't play in the playoffs so you know we we do that with all sports guys baseball basketball hockey football golf bowling it doesn't matter I mean, we even work with BMX riders for god's sake it's awesome and it's all Thanks. the same here yeah. it is mm-hmm. right here it is
0: that's awesome okay i have a i have a question one of uh, a lot of people love the film for love of the game kevin costner pitching in yankee stadium hostile crowd he bends down to get the sign and he says clear the mechanism the cinematic universe sort of goes quiet and blurry and everything in your experience. Is that
1: realistic at all? What a dynamic question, Brig in the probably first six pages of the book, you're going to read a story about a great heavyweight boxer, Deontay Wilder. Yeah. And you're going to read the answer to your question, which I'll give you right now He says he puts so much time into meditation. Now think about this, a heavyweight boxer. All he wants to talk about is meditation, sending love. I mean, when you read Deontay, it's going to blow your mind. You're going to go, this is coming from a heavyweight boxer. But this is what he said. The amount of time he puts in meditation allows him that when he gets into the ring, he hears absolutely nothing. He doesn't use the crowd to fire him up. He doesn't use the crowd to do anything. He doesn't even recognize them. So that's a great question, Brig. But I'll tell you something. There are all these techniques that we teach in sports psychology that allow athletes to get to that level. You know, and without and I'm not the only one that does it. Right. I mean, there's many of us that do it. But without someone from the outside looking in and giving them the tools and tips on how to change this, because changing this changes the physical part of the game, right? But it all starts here. You know, you have to admit you have a weakness. And and, and let me go back, you know, and, and, and not that I use too many basketball analogies, but, you know, when we look at athletes who are using this, I think of two people right off the bat. One is Russell Westbrook, one of the most incredible guards who ever stepped on the, 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 the courts in my life, in, 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 in my life, and I think in the life of basketball. I mean, the, the, the guy is just amazing. He was traded to the Lakers and he was asked to come off the bench. And he comes off the bench in a fury every game. He comes off the bench as if he's starting. He is a leader. You know, people may not like his attitude. They call him cocky. They call him all this other kind of stuff. But I'll tell you what, throw all that crap out the window. He is one of the most professional athletes I have ever seen. Who never talks back? Who and everyone who, who talks about him being on the team will always say he always came into practice high, no, like not high high, but you right. Know, <laughs> <laughs> have, now with legal ma- marijuana, we have to be careful about <laughs> we're all this stuff. Right? <laughs> but he would come in. Let me rephrase it. Excited, <laughs> he would come in excited, and then everyone on the team would go. Here is this all pro, and he's working in practice as hard as he is in the games. That's what we want in the world of athletics. There's no prima donna crap. You know, the real athletes are working on in practice. As a matter of fact, going back to Syracuse University, I had uh, my teammates coming up to me constantly telling me to, to give them a break on defense during practice, you know, because it was something that I loved. Um, I had an early coach in life that that did not allow me to shoot until I was able to do certain things on defense I hated the guy his name is Larry Miller I couldn't stand him he was my coach for the first two years in high school all I wanted to do was be a shooting guard who the hell wants to be known for defense when you're in ninth grade for god's sake right yeah right (laughs) who who wants to be known as someone that can take an offensive charge anytime he wants to nobody
2: rebounds don't get girls three-pointers do
1: they sure do although Brad I will tell you there was no three-point in in my high School or my college right. days, unfortunately. <laughs> I wish, I, I wish there was, but yeah, you know, but, but sport is supposed to be fun and we, we want it to be fun, but we also want the book to be educational, you know. And I said yeah. earlier, whether you're a serious weekend athlete, I mean we we've worked with a lot of, of you know, I'll say older 30, 40, 60, 70, 80-year-old men and women that used to be very competitive that still want to be. And they'll take this book and they'll eat it up. You know, my, te- my tennis coach, I have a tennis coach. He took the book and he goes, oh, my God, I'm learning from you.
0: <laughs> it was hilarious, you
1: know. I love him. But he's the most humble guy in the world, and he'd say that about anything I do. So, you know, he's a sweetheart. But, but the world of athletics, as you guys know, you're in it. You're in it really deep. I mean, what, what a better place to be. And what a better place to put our time right now with the world so insane. You know, Mm -hmm. we get a break from the insanity by, you know, rooting on our teams. And the one thing I want to I want to just ask all of your uh, our our listeners and and, and people with us today. When your star team player has a couple days off or a couple games that they're not at their best. Ask yourself, have I ever had a couple bad days in a row in my life? Mm -hmm. Just ask yourself the question. And we all know the answer. And, and let's give them a break. You don't know if they're going through a divorce. You don't know if their mother just was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. You don't know if they were just told they're gonna to be traded in two days. We, we don't know. Right. We 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 make assumptions and we see a Tom Brady or LeBron James. And, you know, we think these guys should be doing the uh, 20 years is quite a long time in athletic sports to be at that level, isn't it? Yeah. But, you know, we, we even don't give them a break. Sometimes these guys that have been around forever we want to right. criticize them. Right. And yeah. so I just ask the fans, you know, read the book. I think if you read the book, you're going to you're going to get a little bit more of a humble look. At some of these most amazing athletes and how they're committing their life. As a matter of fact, I've got a chapter that I put all these foundations that athletes have started to make it there. I'm getting chills right now, guys. Um, the Albert Poolhouse Family Foundation, LeBron James Foundation, Novak Djokovic Foundation. I mean, it goes on and on and on, you know, and so let's 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 cherish them. For the work they're doing on their sport or their field or their court. And, and let's give them a break if they have a couple bad days or weeks or whatever it might be. And always reflect back. Have I ever been in a situation where I wasn't at my best for a couple days? You know, like let, let's get real and then root them on, you know, right. root them yeah. on. And, and and if you're a real fan, and now listen, because this might tick a couple people off, and I don't mean to, but if you're a real fan, you're gonna be a real fan during a thick and thin man. You're not going right. to – I have loved my Baltimore Orioles ever since 1977 in the World Series or 78. I forget what year. Do you guys know the year? I, think was
0: 70, 70, I, I feel like it's 78. 78. Yeah, I, I looked do. it up the other day, so –
1: Okay. Yeah. I think it was seven, eight. I mean, you know, from then until this year, we've been waiting, <laughs> <Almost>. <laughs> but I have never, ever left them. I've never said, Oh, I don't like them anymore. I'm going to go with, you know, this team because they're winning now or something, you know, I've always wanted to cheer them on. Does that mean I'm perfect? Hell no. But it does mean that I have an idea about the life of the athlete and why not cheer them on? You know, why not? They're your city. They're your team. Boost them, get behind oh, right. them, because you never right. know when someone's running out to the field or onto the court and they hear, go get them, Brig. You can do it, Brad. You have no idea what that one statement might mean if their mindset isn't set. So right. And
2: have- we recently we recently saw that I have actually a couple things on that. We recently saw that with Trey Turner in Philadelphia, that he was not having like it was rough and he was the that? guy, he was my yeah. pick for the MVP this year because of how he played in the world baseball classic. Sure. And then yeah. he goes out there. He's like, Oh, for whatever. And the fans give him a standing ovation. He's been on a tear ever since then. I'm but so glad Brad, it, you mentioned it's that. like such a major impact that the fans can have on, on things. And also I, the other thing that I thought of when you talked about, uh, you don't know what they're going through and their people. When right after I graduated from college, I was covering our, our, college basketball team for the local one of the local newspapers and uh, and i and i had talked up this whole thing because i really wanted to get this job as a freelancer for them as a stringer so i talked to this team and like i think they can win the conference and they're like really you think i was like maybe not the regular season but they can win the tournament so he's like all right cover the game this friday they lost the worst team in the league and it wasn't close and i was like oh my gosh like this is ridiculous like what's up with this team and then in you know the editor for the sports editor for newspaper is like i'm good i don't think we need coverage anymore it's like Okay, come to find out six months later what happened that day was one of the veterans on the team his wife had left him that day. And it affected the entire team. Yeah, everybody in that locker room. So they came out, they shot like 20%. They got run out of the gym by this terrible team that they went on to beat later in the season. Mm -hmm. and you know ended up having a pretty good finish to the season but man it was just like it was baffling seeing what was going on we find out that later like oh that explains a whole lot as to what went on um but i have a question for you though is you talk about guys having a couple oh sorry real quick i just looked it up it was 83 the orioles won the world series they were in the world
1: series in 79 oh some okay so 79 is when i was there yeah okay
2: Okay. uh but anyway so you talk about guys having bad days and sometimes like a few in a row but what do you do for a guy who string, they kind of string together and he ends up developing maybe a case of the yips like a Chuck Knoblock. Chuck yeah. Knobloch, uh, Jared Saltalamachia has talked about it. Right. What do you do for a guy
1: who's going through that kind of stuff? So there's different psychological tools we use. One is called cognitive behavioral therapy. And, and the whole purpose behind it is to stop the ruminating thoughts. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> right. It's the ruminating thoughts that get us in trouble. It's not the thought that comes on a Sunday morning and then again on a, two weeks later. Right. A ruminating thought is one that it's it's a thought that follows a thought that follows a thought that follows a thought right now. If you're ruminating thoughts is that I am the greatest baseball player in the world. You're fine. <laughs> okay, because Even if you're not, you're going to feel you are you're going to think you are and you'll have a good day. Yeah. But but when you have ruminating thoughts of um, and I'll give you you know another example, Reggie Miller, who I love to death, has the greatest line in the world. He said, you know, um, he said a true shooter never remembers their last 10 misses. That's a mindset. That's a mindset. He said, when I went out there and missed 10 shots, I took the next 10 knowing I'm going to make them. And if I missed those 10, I took the next 10 shots knowing I'm going to make them see that's a mental mindset, right? It's like I'm going to do what I'm going to do. This is my strength and I'm going to do it now. What we do know with something like cognitive behavioral therapy, as a matter of fact, I'll give you an example right now. I happen to have one on my wrist. I have all my athletes with them, is that when we have the ruminating thought like um, I, I, I'm terrible against sliders, I can't hit a freaking slider. Right. And, and it's one of the, the toughest ga- pitches in the game to hit, quite frankly. So, you know, I, I have a block against sliders. It's all here. There's nothing in the bat, there's nothing in their hands, their arms, their chest, their shoulders that says genetically you just can't hit a slider. We are sorry. Right, maybe <laughs> a little bit the bat, but <laughs> it's it's all here, right? So we take them through and when they have that thought, I, you know, oh my god, so and so's pitching, I'm going to get 10 sliders in a row, we start snapping the band. Now listen. That discomfort arises first in the brain. Before you even feel it on your wrist, a millisecond before that, it's in the brain opposing the thought so you can see over time, every time the thought comes and it's matched by discomfort. And then we say two, two phrases, cancel that thought. I am free. Mm -hmm. And then we move on. Now, sometimes I'll have pitchers or I'll have other athletes that'll have to do it 20 times. They'll be snapping it 20 times. And it'll finally, the brain will calm down, but you do that enough regularly. This is just one of a thousand tools we use, but you do that enough to clear the brain. You know, I think, Briggs, you said it in the movie when he said he wanted to clear his mind. Is that what you use? Yeah, the word? clear the, the mechanism. mechanism. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, clear the mechanism. You know, so that's what we're doing with CBT. Now, the cool thing with this is that I have basketball players that will go to a base, uh, the foul line to shoot a free throw and they're struggling with free throws. They put their hands behind their back. They snap it. No one sees it. No one knows what the heck they're doing in their mind. They say, cancel that thought. I am free. And they approach the line. And then, of course, you know, with certain sports, we we look at their rituals, their routines, you know, is the way they approach the line in basketball, the way a pitcher approaches the mound in baseball, the way, you know, a field goal catcher, a kicker approaches the ball in football. We, we look at those and not that I have to be the expert in any of those, but as an observer, you can pretty much see that if the pitch is going to the same place, it's not hitting the pitch and the foot on the mound is in the same place. Well, what if we change the foot by a half an inch, right? So we right. look at those kind of skills. So we do both mental and physical skills to help athletes reach their highest levels and stay there as long as possible. I love
0: it. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's really great. David, we're going to have to, have you back on the show i feel like we've only just skimmed the surface of what is available to talk about here
1: yeah briggs brad there's so much you know like i mean and there's just so many cool people in this world that have come back and overcome massive challenges to return i mean we think of the clay thompson's jamal murray's right of the world we think of uh, I, i'm trying to think of um tom well tommy john surgery right, right. i mean wasn't that one of the most incredible things that ever happened in the world of baseball yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my lord! You know, and and uh, and even though you haven't asked the question, my very first baseball incredible love was Sandy Koufax. Oh my! Perfect. God. Absolutely. You know, I was a left handed pitcher. I glued into him at about seven. Oh, my God. He's lucky he didn't live on my street. That guy I would have been (laughs) wrapped around his leg every step he took. He wouldn't have been in the grocery store without me wrapped around his leg. I just thought he was the world, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: So but, you know, we 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 we, Briggs and Brad, we can talk anytime you want. I love this. You guys love it. We're a great team here, the three of us. And so whenever it works, just (laughs) let us know. That's for awesome. sure. You tell us where we can find your book. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, right now, you can get the audiobook free at our website. So this is exciting stuff. Go to talkdavid.com. T A L K David, Talk David, because it's all I do all day long is talk. So it's an appropriate website. <laughs> yeah. uh, go to talkdavid.com. Uh, there's actually three other of our top selling books you can download for free. And then you can get the Audible for this one, Mental Mastery and Maximum Performance for Professional Athletes. You can get the Audible absolutely free at the website, talkdavid.com. Listen to it. You'll hear my story of meeting Moses Malone for the first time. I was around 15, 14 years of age. Uh, Earl Monroe, the basketball player, Earl the Pearl. You know, I've got so many stories in there about people. Greg Luganis, you're going to read a story about Greg Luganis. You're going to go, are you kidding me? He did that? (laughs) You know, so it's, it's fun stuff. It's fun stuff. That's
2: terrific. awesome. Love. It. And again, that's mental mastery and maximum performance for professional athletes. Take your career and your life to the next level. David, again, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate a fantastic conversation.
1: Yeah. Brad Briggs, you guys are great. You're great hosts. You're fun to be with. And so you're very welcome for my time. And thank you for inviting me. We'll do it again, I'm sure. That'd be great.
2: Catch new episodes of the Baseball Together podcast every Tuesday.